Are we on? Oh, good. Hey, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Are you ready? Turn to the person you've ignored and say, let's go. Come on, say, let's go. Hey, it's so good to be here this morning. Uh, looking around, I can see familiar faces. Um, those of you who don't know the backstory of my life, um, I grew up, um, my mom is Kathy, so most of you know my mom here, who sings and is part of different things in the church. Um, but I, I grew up... Um, here in this church, um, came here maybe about 13 or 14, and uh, at the first time I came, I originally got paid to be here. Um, I don't know what Tony does now on the computer and the stuff around. My mom paid me to be here for maybe six to seven weeks, and uh, done that for a little bit when I was about 15, and then went on a camp, and God really uh, changed my life and redirected where I was going. And um, since then, uh, I've, I've had a great relationship with Brian and Anne, and Brian has been my mentor for maybe the last seven years of my life. Um, and so if you have been a part of that journey in some way, shape, or form, um, then you will know the journey that we've been on together. And uh, about a year ago, um, I went on an internship um, in the States um, to, to, to work and to learn about church and church planting and all these different bits and pieces. Um, but when I was there, um, I had uh, been, I come across this opportunity to work in a church here in the city. Uh, and at that time, I was still a part of this community called Hope. And uh, I was quite nervous about it. I was like, oh, I've been a part of this church for almost, I think, six or seven years at that time. And uh, for those of you who are part of that journey would know I love this place. I love the people here. I love serving here. Um, and so the opportunity came and I was like, oh, what do I do? So I rang Brian and I was like, hey, this opportunity is on the table. I don't know whether I should apply for it or not. And he was like, go for it. <laughs> he's like, go for it, go for it. I bless you and with you uh, no matter what. And so I applied for the position uh, and I came back from America. About a week later, I'd done the interview and I got the position. Uh, about a year ago, I started as the youth pastor in St. Catherine's Church, and I've uh, been there now almost a year, and uh, loving, loving my time there. Um, I would like to say that's the best thing that happened to me over the last year, but it's not. As you can see, I'm not here alone this morning. I'm here with my wonderful wife that I got married to back in April. Um, we've been married now for almost four months. Um, she's amazing. She's my, my best friend, my source of, of love and joy and strength and so much more. Um, I'm so thankful that uh, that is the thing I get to come back and say, I'm not here alone. I'm here with my wife. And uh, God is faithful, God is good, and uh, it's just such an honor to be here. Um, I just love this, this church, this community. I love Brian and Anne, their leadership, their heart. Um, they're some of the most generous, um, giving, loving, honest, real, um, sowing couple I've ever met. Um, and some of the most sacrificial I've ever met as well. And they still meet with us regularly. I still meet Brian regularly. They still meet with us about our marriage and about our lives. And so they're still pouring into us, even though you don't see us here on a Sunday. So that's the kind of pastors and leaders you have in this church. So thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me come. It's been a long time coming. I think I've been dying to get here. And so I'm, I'm so, so uh, happy to be here with you this morning. Uh, we have been on uh, a series uh, in our church in St. Catherine's called Summer uh, in the Psalms. And so this morning, um, I'm bringing part of that with me. Um, as I was chatting to Brian a couple of weeks ago about what, what would he like me to speak on, and he was like, that sounds good. I just preached this message. He was like, you should bring that because I feel like that's a message for, for Christians, um, whether it's here or it's, or it's anywhere across the world right now. And so... Um, 
I'm excited to, to get into it. Um, but before I do that, it's so important that we note when we get into the Psalms, um, the, the Old Testament and New Testament, the God doesn't change. You with me? There's no new God or, or, or old God in, in each. Uh, the God is the same God throughout. And so when we go to the Psalms or we go to a book of the Old Testament, we're still looking for the same God. And so as we go there this morning, um, I just want to briefly know, um, but when I was growing up, um, when I was looking for something in my house, uh, often uh, my mom would be, uh, 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 be able to help on this, uh, but when I would look for something, it would take me about an hour or two to find, or I would stand there in front of the wardrobe and go, well, I don't know where it is. Mums and dads may relate to this this morning. We're like, where is it? And then next of all, you go, mom, mom runs up the stairs and she can find it instantly. Right? Because mom knew how to look. She knew how to dig. She knew how to get into something. And today we're going to have to get a little bit uh, uh, deeper with this text. We're going to have to dig a little bit in order to find the goods, to find the nuggets, as people call it, in the text. And so uh, also it's so key to note that in Scripture... No matter what you've been taught, no matter where you went to study, maybe you, you've had some sort of dip in and out of, of Bible college or study or whatever. Uh, context is key and all those kind of parts are great. But the main thing is when you look at a text, we're looking for one thing and that's Jesus. This book, the Bible, in every book, in every chapter, in every page, in every verse, it points us to Jesus. So that's what we're looking for today. We're looking for Jesus in the text. And, and let's be honest with ourselves this morning because this text is quite raw, it's quite real. And David, who's writing this psalm, wants to be real with us this morning. So I want to challenge you this morning. Be honest, be open, engage with what God has to say. Because there's something in this for all of us. But it's up to ourselves whether we want it or not. If you've got a Bible on you, turn with me to Psalm 101. It should be on the screen as well if you don't. David is writing and he says this, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of Evil, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who others lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And on that note, I've just lost everyone in the room. No, I'm kidding. Not often a guest speaker will come and bring a Sam uh, to speak on, but I really do believe as we go on this journey over the next 20 to 25 minutes, Brian didn't give me a time, so we could go three hours, but I'll give, I'll give him my best to go 20 to 25 minutes. If we go on this journey together, I believe there's something in this text for each and every one of us that just may change our lives. I want to preach today on this talk, if we can be honest. If we can be honest. Can we pray? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, I know there's, there's so many things that are going on today and, and in our world and, and so many things that would have prevented us from being here today. But God, you made a way. 
And so God, I pray in these moments that it just wouldn't be no ordinary Sunday, God, but this would be a Sunday that we would mark as a history maker in our lives. God, that whatever's happened in the past, whatever's happened up to now, God, that it would, it, it, something would change today that would be a marker for our lives. That we would know this is a day things changed. This is the day I let go of that hurt. I let go of that depression. I let go of that anxiety. I let go of that struggle. Or I let go of that hurt that someone did to me. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day that we restore hope. So God, would you move in this place and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, have you ever been struck... Uh, stuck for words like have you ever like bumped into somebody or like somebody maybe that 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 maybe annoyed you before or done something on you and you bump into them and you don't know what to say or do you ever like bump into somebody who's like a celebrity and you're like ah, i don't know what to say uh, I, I was in town a couple of weeks ago and uh, i was walking just off grafton street and um it was so funny. This this guy was just walking across me with his buggy and uh, and the bit and, and this child in it, and, and he had a cap on. I looked at his face, and I was like, his face is very familiar. Where do I know his face from? Turns out he was a big American actor that maybe some of you know here. Uh, you maybe seen the film Social Network, or um, there's another couple of films that he's in. They're quite they're quite rude, so I won't go into the names of them. But he's a great actor. He's an American actor, and he was just walking down Grafton Street with his baby, and I was like. Oh, I gotta say hello. I gotta say hello. You know, you know one of those. I'm like, I have to. So I walked over. It's like, hey, is your name such and such? He went, yeah. I was like, hey, are you in Dublin for for what? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was kind of cutting me off. Like he was actually speaking really quiet. I was like, oh, he doesn't really want to talk to me. I was like, could I just get a picture, please? Just because like this is this is a big deal for me. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So he takes the picture with me. He's like, ah, and he's like, okay, okay, thanks, man, thanks, man. And he kind of walks off. I'm like. Ah, that was, you know, that was interesting. So I go off and I start posting it on social media. I send it to my wife. I send it to all my friends. I'm like, this is unreal. Okay. And then um, I started thinking about it a little later on. And I was like, man, I wish I just had a conversation with him. Like, I wish I just got to know him a little bit more. I wish I went a little bit deeper with him. And um, I, I, I kind of started to think, I wish, like, I wish I knew the real him. In a sense, it was nice knowing him, uh, taking a picture with him and knowing his gift and knowing his talent. But I wonder what he was like as a person. Like, I wonder what the real him was like. And I wonder, I wonder as well, if I wasn't just asking for a picture, would he like me? I wonder if we could actually be friends. I wonder if we have some things in common. Like, I wonder if we uh, could get to know each other. If, if he wasn't worth millions and on TV screens. And I started to think, you know, about myself and, and about who I am and about the life that I live in and, and maybe the influence I have or maybe the friendships I have and the places and spaces that, that I find myself in. And, and can, I, can I have real relationships? Can I have real friendships? Do I have real friendships with people? And I grew up in in Ballyferma, um, and I, I was involved in many sports, and I had a lot of friend groups, and, and, and some were good, and some were bad. And uh, I also, like I mentioned, grew up in church, and uh, from Ballyferma, growing up in church wasn't a normal thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a, probably even a popular thing, and, and I came with my mom and my brother, and, uh, and I loved church. As I mentioned, I love church. I still love church. But I began to realize I wasn't the same guy outside church as I was inside church. 
Like anyone love the church you? Like you love the church you who shows up on a Sunday, who shows up happy, who shows up joyful, who shows up ready to engage whatever has to happen. And you dress nice, you look good, you lift your hands, you get in with the conversation. And honestly, I love the environment of church because it gives you the opportunity to engage with it. And it's awesome and I love it. But then I started to think, when I left here, I often left that behind. I wasn't the same person outside church that I was inside church. And then I began to have a few moments of adversity and pressure and and life started to happen and, and, and friends started to ask questions and people started to argue and I started to have to figure some things out and know who I was, not just inside church but outside church. I had to know what I stood for. I had to know what I believed. I had to know who I was. And see, those who I was hanging outside church with, they didn't really want to talk about my faith. And if they did, they would either slag me or make fun of me, or they'd just have a better argument than I did. And I didn't know what to do. Have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever felt under attack? Have you ever felt pressured? Have you ever felt like you don't know who you are? If we can all be honest this morning, we all find ourselves in spaces and places where we struggle to handle ourselves and our beliefs. And if we look around in 2018, people are far from God and and the church and, and also really hurt. I've read many articles over the last few days about what's been happening this weekend and people are hurt. The straw. And they have every right to be. And here's, here's what I want to say on that. I cannot apologize for that generation, but I can apologize for mine. And I can do something about my generation. And I can stand up for my generation. And I can be a difference in my generation. And I can be the church that God wants us to be in my generation. And we can be the church God wants us to be in our generation. But we have to know what we believe. We have to know what we stand for. David in Psalm 101 is practically helping us out this morning. Because he's facing some of this. He's facing some adversity. He's facing all these questions about who am I? What do I believe? Who do I want to be? How can I be the man of God that he wants me to be? He says it in the psalm. He wants to be a man of integrity. But how can he be that man of integrity with all the pressures and adversity around him? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three practicals this morning that I believe will help you face this adversity, face this pressure in our lives. Some ground rules that will help us. Our first point is this. Be found in the presence of God. Be found in the presence of God. Let's just strip that back for a second. What is the presence of God? Oftentimes, I think it's the worship setting where we come in and the music's playing and people are lifting their hands. And yes, there is this atmosphere and there's this exciting environment, and that's great. That's helpful to help us tune in to to God. But really, the presence of God is just knowing that God is present. The presence of God is just knowing that God is present, that, that wherever we go, we can take him with us. That he's not just here, but he can leave with us. That's a big reminder for us. Oftentimes, like I said, I used to leave it here and not take it with me. And I thought, I have to go home and I have to put on songs and I have to, you know, amp it up. No, I don't. It's just knowing God is present. He's my rock. He's my healer. He's my joy. He's with me. 
The presence of God is knowing that God is just present. See, I think David was realizing something here in this psalm. David was starts to, he starts the psalm by saying, I will sing of his steadfast love. I will sing about God. I will magnify the Lord. He, he, he starts to use his voice to, to worship God. But as he worships God and his intimacy and his adoration and his wow factor of who God is grows, he knows that he can't stay the same. He can't be the same person because the, God is, is clearly having an effect on his life that he has to change. See, it wasn't just enough to worship God with his voice, but it was really about worshiping God with his life. It's one thing to worship God with your voice, it's another thing to do with your life. And if we can all be honest this morning, this is a struggle. Because we're all in day-to-day jobs where it's secular and society does not agree and society is not interested and we struggle to stand firm in that. But what if we started every day in the presence of God? Knowing God was present in our lives. See, the singing and the praises should just be a catalyst to open that door for life change. It should just be this sense that, that this place of worship, then we come in and we sing and we praise and, and, and intimacy and adoration grows. It should give us this desire to live the life the way God designed us to live it. And I see, if we can be honest this morning, David is being real with us. He's being authentic. He, he's being raw. Some of the words he says are quite crazy in this psalm. And he wants to stop hanging out with people. He wants to stop going to different places. He wants to stop being around them. Why? Because he knows that the influence that they have on him is more of an influence than he has on them. He can't stand firm in that place. I remember a few weeks ago when we were on camp and... uh, Camp is full of all different stuff on Pulse. Uh, it's like different like lights and smoke machines and all these different cool stuff that, that we do. Uh, we will do anything in a sense to get kids on camp that they will enjoy and be able to engage with God, um, which is great. And I think it helps what we do. Um, but, but let's be honest about it. Um, there was this moment on, on, on the Wednesday night where everything cut off. The generator blew. We were doing our services in a big circus tent and the generator blew and all the lights and all the instruments and all those bits and pieces just fell. Uh, not fell, as in went off. That's probably the bad word. Palais Ruth were on worship, I remember, on the night. And next of all, the place just went dark. And you would think with 200 teenagers in a room who have been enjoying this and have been loving the lighting and loving all this kind of bits and pieces, they just stop and wait for it. But they don't stop and wait. No, they start to sing. A few people at the front of the crowd start to sing this old classic song, Let It Rain. I don't know if you've ever been in church before here, but there's this classic song called Let It Rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Now, I don't know who taught them that song, but they began to sing it. And so they start singing it. And next of all, a few more people pick it up. And the whole room, the whole circus tent of 250 to 300, three, maybe 350 actually, 350 people start singing this, Let It Rain. Let it rain. See, the kids had got something. The kids knew how to worship God in the dark. The kids knew how to worship when, when the lights were gone and, then, and, and, and there was no one else there to lead them. That they knew how they had to lead themselves. Can we worship when no one else is around? 
Can we get into the presence of God when there's no big band? Can we still worship without the words on the screen? The presence of God is not just for Sundays, but every day. It's, it's there for the taking. It's there for us to take it with us. Are you going to walk out of here with the presence of God or are you going to leave it? Because that's your choice. And I've often noticed, and, and David does the same in the psalm, that when you get into the presence of God and you have this, this, this sense that, and this knowing that God is present with you, it often leads you to the Word of God. The presence of God often leads you to the Word of God. And the second point this morning is be found in the Word of God. Be found in the Word of God. If anyone else here, I don't know about you, but I feel this tension and pressure when I read the Bible and how the world looks very different to what we're reading and how we're supposed to live our lives. And David was tackling this pressure and how to respond and how to react under the influence of society and culture. See, we live in a world where we can be anything we want to be. See, people are looking for a gap that we know only God can, can fill. As I mentioned earlier, I remember having this encounter when I was 15 uh, on a camp and, and God changing my life. Uh, that, that One of those nights on camp, a guy prayed with me and uh, his name was Sean Booth and he started declaring truths over my life and, and, and saying that what my future would be and that I would be uh, a father of the faith and I'll be a teacher and I'll be a leader. And at that time, I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what that looked like. I had no idea what my future would hold. Who would ever think that seven years later we would be on staff together at a church? I served on staff with Sean for almost five months before he stepped out to plant the church. And I remember having those conversations with him and and, and actually realizing the power of our words. The power of our words, how they shape people's identities. How they shape people's lives and who they are and, and their futures. Parents in the room, never underestimate the power of your words. You are responsible for giving your children identity. You have 18 years to help shape somebody's identity. See, it's so important we know the truth. It's important to get into the Word of God, but ultimately more important to get the Word of God into you. See, if you don't know who you are, the world will tell you who you are. And this is what David was wrestling with. This is what David was dealing with. And I I relate to David. I relate to what he's going through because I aspire to be a man of God. As a husband, as a son, as a friend, I aspire to be a man of God. As a pastor, as a leader, I aspire to be a man of God. A man of integrity. When I looked up the word integrity, I got words like honesty, honorable, moral, truth, trustworthy, unity, wholeness, undivided. I don't know about you, I looked at people throughout history that would probably relate to some words like this. And the only person I got was the person of Jesus. Jesus lived a life of integrity. He exemplified it to the full. Without any slip was Jesus. He was integral. He was whole. He was truthful. He was undivided. He had one message. He was a believer in unity. We're challenged to live lives like Jesus if we want to be men of God or women of God. See, I've realized this truth. When you know who God is, you know who you are. When you know who God is, you know who you are. Because he'll tell you who you are. And he'll place value and worth over your life. 
and you won't go looking for it anywhere else. I'll just add this on that note. Integrity can take a lifetime to build, but only a moment to destroy. It can take a lifetime to build, but only a moment to destroy. So how do we deal with that? My third point is, is this, is, and I believe David was growing in this as, as he went on in this psalm. He, he became God confident. He became God confident. If we can be honest, if, if you don't stand for something, you better everything. You've got to take a stand for something. You've got to know where you stand. I think especially over this weekend, I've had multiple conversations with people. I, I was sitting in the, the barber's chair yesterday getting a haircut. And I don't know if you like it or not. I think I like it. But anyways. And the first thing that comes out of the barber's mouth was, what do you think about this whole Pope thing? I think it's a load of... And I went, oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I don't, want, don't really want to tell you what I think anyways. But it's so funny, and, and multiple other conversations with people about it, and, and all these news reports and all this stuff, and, and, and it's clearly, clearly people have a thing against what's going on. And I'm not here today to argue or to, to have a go or to even give my opinion on any of that. That's not my, my purpose here today. But I do know this, we need to know where we stand. And you need to know where you stand, because the pressure's coming. The church will be uh, on watch after this weekend. And whether we call ourselves Pentecostal, non-denominational, Baptist, Anglican, whatever name you want to put on it, if it's got a C, it's got a church, you're being watched. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we stand for. We need to know what we believe. So we've got to grow what's called God confidence. What is God confidence. Well, God confidence, firstly, is found and nurtured in the private place. We, meet, we read throughout many Psalms and hear David's cries to God, his authenticity, his realness, his pursuit of God to heal, to restore, to renew. How many of you know that who you are in the private place eventually leaks into the public place? In other words, what you do in the dark will always make it into the light. What you do in the private place will dictate who you are. In the public place. What am I talking about? David knew. He wanted to be the man of God that he is in private in the public place. But he knew that the influence they had on him was more of an influence than he had on them. And so he was trying to grow this thing called God confidence. That he could be confident in God. That he is who he says he is. That he can do what he says he's going to do. And that God is on his side wherever he goes. Remember, he's being found in the presence of God. Knowing that God is present. And then he's knowing who he is by knowing who God is. With me? Yeah? And therefore, growing in God confidence. You know what's fascinating about the life of Jesus? The 30 years before he steps out on his public ministry, what was he doing? What was he doing all that time? What decisions was he making? How was he in his house? Was he punctual for work? How did he treat people? What decisions was he making? See, I believe those 30 years of decision after decision what made the person of Jesus. Everything he did in the dark accumulated the person he was in private. It made him up to be ready for those three years. So you look at the difference. 30 years of private decisions was what made his three years of public decisions. We love the public guy. 
We love the healing, the miracles, all those bits and pieces that he did, the preaching, the teaching. But he spent years and years in private preparing for that. There's power in the private place. Power in the private place. You begin to show up. You begin to grow this thing called God confidence that allows you to show up to places with expectation. See, Jesus was showing up to places with 30 years of of making decisions that grew God confidence that he knew when he showed up, God can do what he said he's going to do. That his father had his back when he was about his business. See, you begin to change the environment and the environment doesn't change you. And we need God confidence that we realize it's time to stop burning bridges with the world and start building them again. But we need God confidence to do that. We need, be, we need to have confidence in God that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he's going to do. And that we can stand firm in places. You'll no longer show up to places worrying will they accept or reject or will I offend someone this time will show up with expectation that if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. That if God did it for me, he can do it for you. And if, if you don't mind coming back and playing the keys as we finish. And I told you 25 to 30 minutes, so I'm going to close on the note. But I mean that. I'm not showing up with God confidence or arrogance that, that's like, you know what, my God is all powerful and almighty. He is. He is those things. But he's a God who loves and cares for those who are broken and far off. And that's the message we need to carry to the world. That's the message we need to carry to the world. Before, uh, two stories and then I'll finish, I promise you, two stories. One is this, uh, I was getting ready for this morning at home and um, let it be not these two guys Pele was staying at our house and Ruth was obviously in my house and they were sleeping I was downstairs getting ready for this morning and uh, I got a phone call off this guy and it, it was a, it was actually a, a, a Northern Ireland number I was like well, who would be ringing me from Northern Ireland this must be a scam so I answered the phone anyways and I went hello and so this guy starts talking to me and turns out it was a guy that I met about four weeks ago uh, as we were doing Urban Soul um, he was a homeless guy who loved his music, loved his guitar, loved his amp, um, all those bits and pieces. I remember having a conversation with him about the weather and bits and pieces like that, that if when it got really bad, we would take care of his guitar and his amp and he could store it at our church. So then he could take it with him when he needs to go busking. Funny enough, he got my number and called me on a Sunday morning before church and I'm starting to have this conversation with him. I go, wow, thank you for even thinking of me and calling me and and so good to hear from me and he's like yeah and he's he's i'm like how are you doing he's like I'm, I'm doing good i'm doing good the weather's really bad these days and i don't know what what you know where what i'm gonna go or what i'm gonna do and i'm like whoa I'm like, man i'm never complaining again about heating i'm never complaining again about clothes or i was just like that this morning as i was having this conversation he kept asking me how are you though how are you though how are you doing how's your wife how are you i was like whoa Will you pray for me? I'm like, yes, I'll pray for you. Please let me pray for you. And I'm just like, that's, that's the thing that people don't see. That's the part that we need to play. It's not about this. This is important. But when we leave here and we go back to the world and we bump into people and we go to Starbucks and we go into the office, we have conversations with people that is all about love, all about hope, all about grace, 
And I'm not saying that we just love, love, love and it all works out. No. That's not what I'm saying. And this is the second story I want to finish with. I was in Bradford a few weeks ago at a conference that I go to every year and uh, I was sitting at the bus stop that afternoon and all my buddies had flew home early so I was on the, the flight home on my own and so I was waiting for the bus and I was there like two hours early because I was just dying to get out of there, get home and, and see, see my wife and, and so I'm sitting at the bus stop and, and this guy comes and sits down beside me and he's wearing a suit and um, one of those air hose suits and we started to, to, to chat a little bit and uh, this guy walks by him and uh, kind of laughs and sniggers at his suit and he's like you swear nobody ever saw somebody in one of these suits I'm like I know right and so we got chatting a little bit more and he starts to ask me some questions he's like so hey how do you end up in uh, sorry he's a tour guide by the way Uh, how how did you end up in Bradford you're here on holiday and I was like no I'm actually here uh, at a conference um, with some friends and he's like oh what kind of conference and I was like well a youth conference and what do you do there well we 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 talk about Jesus and uh we worship him and we, we spend time together and it's actually pretty fun. So I'm pointing out, I'm pointing out the church because if you've ever, some of you guys here have been to Bradford, but you sit at the bus stop, you can see the church. Like it has a big life on it, like it's very recognizable. But then there's also this big mosque beside it, which is massive. Um, and I, I only found out that week that that building, that mosque is actually built so high on purpose. They've done that on purpose. And so I'm chatting with the guy and I'm pointing at the church and he actually thinks I'm pointing at the mosque. I'm like, no, it's actually the church. And he's like, okay, cool. And so he's like, so what do you do? How did you get into all that? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. He says, well, what's a pastor? I don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, I'm not a priest. (laughs) Um, But uh, basically, I care for people and I teach them the Bible. Care for people and I teach them the Bible. He went, okay, that's that's how did you get into that? So I start sharing my story. I was like, you should not put it on a plate for me, you know, to, 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 to... to tell you so I tell him my story and um, told him where I came from and how our family was a bit broken and not a bit a lot a lot broken um, and how God came into our lives when I was eight and it's not hasn't been easy and it hasn't been all rosy daisy and there's been times where I gave up and went back in and gave up and went back in and when I was 15 God came in and changed my life and gave me hope and purpose and peace and um, ever since then I've just been trying to follow that plan for my life and he's like wow we start to chat a little bit more. We get on the bus and he starts to explain to me a little bit his background and his faith. And turns out he's a Muslim. And uh, he knew what the mosque was. Um, actually, no, he didn't. So he didn't know what the mosque was. He thought, it was, he thought the mosque was a church. Funny enough. I don't know how that works out, but he did. But what was fascinating about that is he didn't know exactly what he believed. He didn't actually get it. He came from a traditional family that was Muslim, is Muslim. And I asked him the question. I was like, hey, just out of curiosity, if, if, if by any chance I was to ask you to be a Jesus follower, just, just by any chance, what would, you, what would that be like for you? And he was like, no. No. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'd, my family would reject me. My family would never take me back. My family would not accept me. I was like, whoa. Okay. I see, where you, I see where you're coming from and we started to chat a little bit more and we exchanged Facebooks and we exchanged Messenger and all those kind of bits and pieces and I, I said to him I was like look if you ever find yourself in Dublin and, and, and you want to hang out you want to get to know each other hey just hit me up I'd love to show you around I'd love to he's like hey will you buy me a drink I was like yes yeah, of course I'll buy you a drink sure that's no problem uh, and so I, I began to have a little bit more conversation with him and, and I, I'd like to say by the end of that conversation he became a Christian but he didn't he didn't. But I do know this. 
We became friends. I'm committed to him. I'm going to pray for him. And when he comes, we're going to hang out together. And if he ever has any questions, I'm here to answer them. And he knows this. I'm a man of God. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not compromising. It's what I believe. It's what I stand for. It's what my life's all about. And he knows that. That's what we need to be. That's what we need to be. I believe the church is in two places right now and we have to make a choice. In John 1.14, it says this, The Word, being Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen in His glory the glory of one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Jesus came full of grace and truth. See, how many of you know the church can be on two extremes? It can just be full of truth. And we can throw the truth at people. And we can tell people they're wrong. We can do that. But let's be honest. You, you may be right. But you're not helpful. We're not helping anyone. We're just judging people. throwing them away. It's not getting us anywhere. Or we can be on the other extreme, which is graceful. And we can love. And we can love. And we can love. But, but is that going to change anybody? Just loving, just accepting, just come on, come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. That's one extreme. See, I, I believe in this. Truth without grace is mean. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. Let me say it like this. Grace invites us to be free. And we can keep inviting. That's okay. But it's only the truth. It's only the truth that can set us free. He says it himself. It's only the truth that can set us free. So you can stand firm and love well at the same time. We don't have to compromise. We can stand firm in who God says we are. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here and thank you for your word in Psalm 101. And God, I know oftentimes when I read this psalm or think about it, David is often the person I relate to here, but how many of us know that David wants to run from the crowd and he wants to run from the, the pain and the hurt and he wants to run from those who have influence on him and he may not be ready and that may be where you're at today. But then we look at the life of Jesus and Jesus, he goes to the broken, he goes to the hurt, he sits with them, he eats with them. And why? Because Jesus was ready. God, I pray that we would challenge ourselves today and say, where are we? Where are we? God, reveal to us where we need to be. God, reveal to us what we need to learn. God, help us to know who we are. Help us to be found in your presence. Help us to be found in your word. And help us to become confident in who you are. That God, if you can do it for me, and if you can do it for us, you can do it for them. You're a loving God, a caring God. I pray those who are in here today who may be far from you would know that they're loved unconditionally. And God, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for them, that they will be forgiven, set free, and have life with you in your presence. And we thank you for that gift and we honor it. 
pray for the rest of our time together as we eat, as we laugh, and as we get ready for a great week. I pray you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, guys.